Yeah, I was just checking the uh, specs of the inline of the rotary girder. I'm retarded. Welcome to the junk drawer. Oh, you just move your finger. You must feel pretty good about that. And they're like devising a plan. <laughs> his whole body's limp. Yeah. And they like gotta pick his head up. By the great Dr. Seuss. Not, not a real doctor. Not an actual doctor. Pediatrician. Right. No. Not also not. I mean, he's a practicing medical physician. <laughs> no. Oh. He first of all thinks that the hot blonde chick in the scene was. Give her a ten for looks. Yeah. They're doing um, a threesome. Nope, that's not right. No, him and his wife, I think, are. They're calling it John Quick, and he's gonna <laughs> finish first. So. <laughs> anyway, it's finally time to open the junk drawer. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another edition of the Junk Drawer Podcast. I'm your host for today's episode, Mario Rico. And if you couldn't tell from our cold opener, which I hope you could, we are doing 1995's Tommy Boy. Now, before we dive in, today's actually a special episode for two reasons. Number one, we are joined by a uh, longtime supporter <laughs> of the pod, Mr. Michael Sasir, a good friend of ours. Mike, say hello to the good people. Glad to be here, guys. We are very intrigued by your presence. The other Weird reason, way to put it. <laughs> the other way reason why it's very special is um, this is actually our one of our, I consider him the third main host, you might as well, Cole. Oh, I'm not here. Oh, Cole's here. No. Say hello for, actually, why don't you say hello first? I, I can't, I'm not here. What's your name? Cole. Cole. Hello. Hey, Cole, and why don't you say your name? My name is Bryce. Bryce, this today is a, a bittersweet moment. Bryce has accepted a job in Austin, Texas, and so he is releasing his duties as a podcast host, and he's leaving Hollywood. He is leaving Hollywood, California. It's hard. Uh, we're going to miss him here in L.A. He is a huge contributor to this pod. So, By uh, being on it every week. Someone say one of the three contributors. Yeah. A, yeah. He does bring a uh, gravitas, a education, if you will, to this podcast with some of his Great picks in the past, such as Daredevil, um, Bad Boys Two. What other educational picks? Triple X. Triple X. That porn. Mm -hmm. um, so you gonna, watched the wrong movie that we, week. To be fair, it was a good one. <laughs> Still stars Vin Diesel. So we are going to miss you, Bryce. But we are excited. Stars to have you. is probably an overstatement. I yes. mean, he's in it. Yes, you're right. Yeah. He is in it. Talk about Bryce, a key grip. <laughs> we are going to miss you, and it would be a huge loss. I will miss me as well. You will be contributing often as a guest when you visit LA. Maybe. Um, Dave Arico will be taking in, filling in for you. He is going to be your host. Allegedly. Uh, well, yes. He's got to pass a background <laughs> check. Yeah, we have to run his fingerprints before we yes. let him on the pod. Yes. And then you can also, um, you know, if you're a true supporter, you can go to our GoFundMe. Uh, I think we average <laughs> no, no. it out to be about ten grand a week. We'll need to travel back and forth. Uh, yes. Okay, yeah. cool. So I can fly, fly home every weekend. You know weekend. what? While we're at it, just a special shout One of our... Main listener is actually with us here today, Mr. Brooks May. He is sitting in the corner. He's, he's in the to, studio. He's, he's in the studio, to, yeah. Shout out hello, Brooks. Hello. We might have not gotten that. He's not mic'd. So let's dive in. Bryce says no pressure, but this has to be your best episode ever. Okay. Um, so for starters, Tommy Boy, 1995. Mike, why did you choose this, choose this movie? I chose Tommy Boy because it really felt like the first movie to me that was like a cult classic. Like it was in high school... I would watch Tommy Boy with friends just whenever we had a spare moment. Just it was we just throw on the DVD and it it was the instantly quotable, and those quotes just sort of rang true through all of our friends. Um, and because of that, I feel like 
it it's connected to other friend groups. Like in college, we I could just quote, you know, checking the specs of the inline of the rotary girder, and everyone was just like, I'm retarded, <laughs> just instantaneously. Um, and I just love those types of movies. I mean, I feel like SNL characters, and we're talking about it later, they've all had that similar quality of being very quotable. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's because of the sketch comedy that background that they come from, but. It, it feels very much like that. And it kind of started that way for me. What is it? Lauren Michaels did produce as well. Right. So, yeah. Um, but cool. Um, so we're going to jump in with our ratings. What would you give it out of 100, personal rating? So I gave it an 82%. Okay. And I feel like that's high. I think that's going to be on the higher end of at this table. Um, probably because it, it does have such a connection to just growing up and, like, figuring out my humor as, like, a high schooler. Uh, but... I do think it, it has sustaining qualities that it still makes it a very enjoyable movie. There's some stuff that are just like, okay, that's ridiculous. Like him strapping flares to himself <laughs> and taking over a building and then getting to the elevator. It's like very erroneous, nonsensical things. But And facing no jail time for that. Zero. <laughs> yeah. Zero. And he goes Not on the news. Yeah. yeah, Not even arrest. But it's so it just goes back to being so quotable and so yeah. much fun to watch. I don't care that it seems like an SNL character. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't bother me. Which um, he was and, not. Right. Tommy Boy is yeah. not just an SNL character. But Tommy Boy is basically every <laughs> SNL character Chris Farley's ever every done. Every Chris Farley yeah. character yeah. ever. Yeah. Right. But yeah. it's just such a fun movie. It's so rewatchable. And yeah. I think, um, based on the movies that you guys do on this podcast, it fits into the character, uh, the characterization of what you guys are looking for, which cool. is just rewatchable classic. Pull out of the junk drawer and just like pop in any day. Cool. Yeah. That's what she said. To the pop in any day part is a yeah. sex joke. Yeah. yeah, we got it. Yeah. Thank All you. right, Bryce, what did you, uh, how, you, how are you liking Tommy Boy? <laughs> so there's this word in movies, and they talk about certain movies as a vehicle for an actor. And I always thought it was kind of like a weird phrase, but like when you watch a movie like Tommy Boy, you're like, oh, that's what a vehicle for an actor. Like 100%. Tommy Boy, they didn't write the movie and be like, oh, who are we going to get the star in this movie? <laughs> They're like, we're going to write a movie for Chris Farley so that Chris Farley can be Chris Farley. Um, and that's 100% what Tommy Boy is. So, like, if you think Chris Farley's funny, you love Tommy Boy. If you think Chris Farley is obnoxious, you hate Tommy Boy. Um, I personally really like Chris Farley. I think Tommy Boy's really good. Uh, I have a similar experience to Mike with the movie Tommy Boy of, like, I've just seen it 100 times. I feel like it was a movie that was on, like, Comedy Central growing up a lot. Uh, so I got the edited version. So, like, rewatching oh, the real sucks. version now is always kind of, like, jarring to get the, you know, the good stuff. Um, so I do really like... Tommy Boy, I do think that like for me personally, it's not quite up to some of my some of the other SNL movies that I, I like a little bit better. Um, specifically, the same time Adam Sandler is doing like Happy Gilmore yeah. and Billy Madison, which I prefer a little bit more. Um, but I do I do like Tommy Boy. It's super funny. I, I laughed a lot watching it. Um, but I am only going to give it a sixty. Uh, okay, it's it's really good. Definitely above average, but it's just in in its category. It's not my favorite of these movies. Mr. Brown, I know first, I won't call you that, a test. Well, that's my name. So. Okay, well. Uh, this is funny. Uh, Tommy Boy is in a really weird category for me because the two physical VHSs I owned as a child, <laughs> as a child being like, you know, from six years old on, was Tommy Boy <laughs> and Fight Club. Great six-year-old Perfect movies. movies for a six-year-old. They came out extraordinarily well. <laughs> they did. And, and that six-pack you have. Is... Yeah. I like, I literally, I didn't own, they weren't mine. Like I just, I absorbed them because I have two older brothers, but we had a little 13 inch television that had a built in VCR and any road trip 
that I went on, I would just take Tommy Boy. And once it stopped, because it's not that long of a movie and we were still on the road, I would just rewind and play Tommy Boy again. Uh, and so I have a very intimate knowledge with this movie. I think so much so, as we've talked about this before, there's movies that are kind of um, set aside in nostalgia that are in some ways untouchable in terms of like a really critical approach to looking at them. Uh, and so, yes, I think as an adult now, I can look at Tommy Boy and, and laugh at things that I think aren't great about it. Ultimately, I'm just like waiting for that next quote to come across the screen for me to laugh again because I'm like, oh, we're about – we just did this one quote that I love, which makes us five minutes from the next quote that I love because I've seen Tommy Boy so many times. Um, and so I'm going to I'm gonna give it a 68. Okay. Um, part of that is to avoid 69 because it's, you know, not hey, a number one a reference. And I would have made a joke. <laughs> you already did. Um, well. But it's above average, uh, but I think similar to Bryce's assessment, I do like – I mean, if we're just going to go apples to apples here, like I, I do like Billy Madison more. I do like Happy Gilmore more. Um, but Tommy Boy's great. It's yeah. it's my favorite of the David Spade Tommy and Chris Farley pairings. Yeah, same. I'm almost 100% agreement with Cole. For starters, I gave it a 68. So we have the tie closest to the pin if we are there, which I will reveal in a moment. Um, I – Grew up liking this movie, um, not knowing it was as good as it is. Like on the rewatch, I didn't remember a lot of it. Like the 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 dialogue or the lines that Chris Farley like spits out scene after scene, I just didn't remember them as a kid. So now that I've heard them again, I can't wait to use them in like everyday conversation, helping people get the reference. Um, also, kind of what Bryce you said with the vehicle, um, Chris Farley does this thing in multiple scenes and it seems like if you've done it he's done it once he's done it a hundred times and you shouldn't find it funny but i always do it's when he starts out really calm and he's explaining something and then he just loses his temper and like breaks something in his hands while he's doing it he does it like three times like three monologues yeah it never gets old like it it is his go-to move of like being calm but then like flipping out but like that's funny like comedians now do a similar thing like where you like if any a freak out is kind of always funny and chris farley did freak outs better than anybody um, now I think some of the physical comedy, it's just like, okay, overdone. Um, and it doesn't work too much for me, but Chris Farley makes the movie obviously. Um, and I really enjoy him. So I give it a 68. It is flawed, which we will get into. Um, I also agree that it's not as good as some of its counterparts in the SNL movie department. So for that, we will transition into the Metacritic score. Bryce, for the last time as a host, <laughs> co-host, cause it's my job today, you son of a bitch. Why don't you tell our listeners what Metacritics, how the Metacritic scale works? So Metacritic grades movies from 0 to 100. It aggregates a number of famous critics' scores and puts them on that 100-point scale so that a 50 would be average, 100 is a perfect movie, 0 is the worst movie of all time. So technically anything below 50 is a, quote, bad movie. Mm. Is that the same score that would be true in Austin, Texas? Yeah, Metacritic is a nationwide scale. Would you even say it's international? Uh, I guess so. I don't know if they do. I, I assume they do international movies. As an Italian, I, I can say that it is. You have the right to speak for all Italians? Uh, all of them. Okay. I, yeah. On I, behalf I of a, them. Can I you say a, it in Italian, please? What, what do you want me to say? The, that the Meta score critic is? International? Uh, you don't know it, so obviously. Say the number in Italian is what he's saying. Okay. The Metacritic score is, Mike is not, he's the furthest away. It is 46. Which 46%. Is so, 46. Very fitting, Bryce. We let you win this. Yeah, I'm right, sure. Cole? Yeah, that is I what happened. really pulling my punches for him. He does so have I, the most. Uh, I preserve time. my all time lead. Yeah, it will be broken. Maybe. I, well, 
you have a speech you want to give? No. Good. He's humble. Yeah, you're going to have one of those stats, Stay like a really angry. unique basketball player who was only in the league for some time, and so they have like the Just most percentage points. percentage of closest to the right. pins is going to be Ultimately, crazy. Ultimately, I will have the most, Right. but Bryce had a, a pretty really high season. percentage. When he comes visits, we're going to compare, and he's just going, check the stats, okay? <laughs> All right, so Mike, after finding out the Metacritic score and comparison to your own, are you sure of your score? Oh, I said right off the bat, I think my score is high. I mean, that's... A hundred percent. I know my score is high. I, I would say I like the movie twice as much as most people, so I think it's pretty fair. <laughs> and that's right on the money. Yeah. Um, it's just whenever a movie is going to have that sort of emotional moment where you're and you connected to something else in your life, I, you're going to rate it higher and you're going to see through flaws. I'm retarded. And just because you can, I can rewatch it and just have the same exact laughter that I had, you know, t- fifteen years ago. To me, that makes yeah. it great. And I agree with what you guys are saying. Like, it doesn't. It's not as good, I don't think, as Happy Gilmore or Billy Madison, but I think those movies are in the 90s to me. Like, yeah, I, I legitimately love those movies okay. more than most comedies I've ever seen. So this, to me, falls right below that. And I, that's why I think 82 holds, holds true. Yeah. Cool. Oh, go ahead, Bruce. Oh, uh, I, was, I was surprised at first to see it be this low. Um, 46 feels really low. But in the 90s, like the typical comedy was kind of like a very character driven like Tommy Boy like kind of high concept comedy where it's like high concept well just like with the like the idea of a character that's like so outlandish and like so unreasonable that like and and the whole movie revolves around them so you have Chris Farley doing it in Tommy Boy and Black Sheep we mentioned Adam Sandler Uh, Jim Carrey does it in all of his movies Ace Ventura The Mask and so those kind of like outlandish like super over the top character driven comedies were like what was going on in the 90s but i don't think any of them did particularly well yeah. critically um they all kind of acquired a cult following do you um, think you can do you can't do a movie like this today it wouldn't it's work. just not it's not it's not what's popular right yeah. now like it would be straight to netflix comedy. or something like that i could see like uh and they kind of did this zach alifanakis having a movie like this the between two ferns movie right and i think it's one of the reasons maybe that zach alifanakis hasn't had the career that he would have had 20 years earlier yeah because that's that's what his stand-up is, is him just being absurd and over yeah. the top. And I think it's funny, but it's not like you don't – we don't really make those movies anymore. It's yeah. in the same way that like – It's a damn tragedy. The next decade of like the 2000s was kind of like the slacker, Apatow, McKay comedies. Yeah. And we don't really make those anymore either because people are like, well, maybe our comedy should have some kind of plot. What and do so, we like, make now? I mean, that's why we have like all the action comedies yeah. now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is the uh, Rotten tom- Tomato score? Is it later, or do we have to? Can we do that now? We That's do it now. cheating, but it's forty-two percent. So it's lower. What, was that critic or was that audience? Uh, so if you're a real listener, you know we abandoned that score. Um, it is the critic fine. score. Forty-two <laughs> percent critic score. Audience score is pretty high on this movie, though. That's what I figured. Yeah, for Rotten Tomatoes, uh, it is. I think a ninety. Uh, let's get back to me, Cole. Do you think your score is accurate? I mean, it's accurate to the parameters that I set up my score and that I watched this movie as a kid, grew up with it. So I think there's even, Mike put it best with just this whole aspect of like maturing as a human being and kind of getting to know what your sense of humor is and having these milestone movies along the way to kind of help you define that. Like another really terrible comedy that I know I that is terrible is uh, Kung Pao Enter the Fist. <laughs> it's horrible. But it like in my brain, looking back on it right now, just thinking about it, there's so many funny parts of it that I remember laughing at as an 11 year old, being like, "This is the funniest thing I've ever seen," or "Master of Disguise." Like these movies that are terrible, 
that I think gets solidified a little bit. Now, Tommy Boy is not terrible. Yeah. I think I think as we get into what we'll fix, I'll have things to fix. But Okay. Um, yeah, Mike, going back, uh, I was teasing about the Rotten Tomatoes, but yes, the fan score is a 90. Um, just for reference, Rotten Tomatoes wasn't around back then. Only 43 critics have rated it, mm-hmm. and so it has a 42%, um, and just over 250,000 people have rated it. So Interesting, though. So people like most it. people yeah. would agree which with Which is kind of like the definition of a cult classic, which is what yeah. you said, like 40% critic rating, 90% fan rating, right. and that feels right for Tommy Boy. Oh, yeah. All right, so now we're going to move into efficient fix. Um, what could you fix to make the movie better? I'm going to jump in. Go for it. Mine's kind of odd. You guys probably think I'm stupid for saying this, but it has to do with the plot. I think it would have benefited, because uh, I think it is rather forgetful, aside from Chris Farley's performance, if you had a better villain character. Than Rob Lowe and Bear- Bo Derek? Like, yeah, which one? Like, uh, just the, the two of them are fine, but their presence isn't really felt throughout the movie. They do, like, you find out they're going to do, they have a fake wedding, the fraudulent... Uh, marriage mm-hmm. to get the company i would have just added a few more scenes to make them more hated and make you want to root for tommy more and make rob Lowe just come off as a douchebag even more well i think rob Lowe's pretty hateable in this movie which is kind of weird because rob Lowe's super likable in most things he does when he's not frumpy <laughs> but bo Derek is like plays this like not villainous character and she just walks just, off like, into- she gets yeah she just like walks off like uh her Dan Aykroyd. Aykroyd. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, I'm fine. And like, you heard what she did, right? And, and he's like, like Zelensky. Yeah, but- <laughs> they like over over sexualize her and they make her almost make you feel bad for her that she was with Rob Lowe. It's weird that they make you feel her. bad for her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Oh, she's you know, this innocent, beautiful woman. She's okay, let her go. No. Right. She committed. She fraud. should also go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So I would fix that. I would yeah. make them both more hateable. I like that one. I think probably in that same context, like I guess there's a tension point with a comedy on how much the, like the fear of them failing needs to be there. Um, but I think in this movie, I don't really, there's never a point that I'm like, Oh, they're not going to make it. And yes, I've seen it a ton of times, but I think even just plot wise, they don't give enough of like the setup for what this would mean for all these people lose their jobs or like the stakes of what they're actually going out to do. Um, like when they go on this big sales road trip, um, I think they could have built that up in a better way where when you have that final moment of true victory where he sells to Zelensky and Zelensky and he sells half a million brake pads and they're all screaming, going nuts, and they save the company, uh, I think that feels a lot better if you spend some time, I don't know, maybe getting to know a few of the other people that work at that company or what it could mean when the plant closes. And you get a little bit of that when he first gets back home and he's like driving past, like, oh, the old muffler place closed down. So I think kind of st- spending a little more time there makes it a little more weighty, but maybe that loses out on the comedy. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Bryce, what's your f- efficient fix? Um, I, this might be a hot take, but I think what I want more than anything is just more David Spade in this movie. <laughs> Whoa, that is um, a hot take. I, I really like David Spade. I think he's hilarious. Shut up, Richard. Richard. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I – think, uh, the other thing, the the version of David Spade I like in these movies is when he is making fun of Tommy, which I, I guess they probably <laughs> steered little, away his from. quips versions. Yeah, and... when he's like, a lot of people take seven years to graduate because, yeah, they're called <laughs> doctors. <laughs> um, but, like, I think that version of David Spade is hilarious. Um, and then they kind of turn the plot later to where it's like bad things are happening to to Richard or they're making fun of him. 
And that's not as funny to me. I, I just think David Spade's really funny. I think his timing's really good and his delivery is really good. And him and Farley, like, you know, they obviously do Black Sheep together the very next yeah. year. So, like, they have great relationship, great timing together. So, I kind of want more Richard in this movie. Okay. I got a couple quotes from Richard. Richard is fun incredible. At, at Tommy. There's one, I can't remember the scene specifically, but he goes, ugh, I can actually hear you getting fatter. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, hey, does this suit make me look fat? No, no, your, your face, face does that. <laughs> so bad. Uh, oh, Mike, uh, obviously there's 18 points keeping it perfect for you. Where do you, how do you man, fix it? Those 18 points are going to be, they're hard to come by, but I, I agree with your analysis of, of Rob Lowe's character, Paul. I think that's one of my fixes is giving him a little bit richer backstory because you don't really know where he came from. You just know he's a criminal and whatever. He's married to this this woman who's babe. trying to this babe who's trying to like take over the money of Callahan Auto Parts, which is fine. Um, I think a little bit more of his backstory would be great. So then you you kind of understand where he's coming from. I think the second thing is getting rid of some of his really bogus, stupid cutscenes of him like peeing on like the energy. Like yeah, was, I don't know what that was facility. It's too over the top. And yes. then he gets like blown back. And then the one where like the dogs should have killed him in the car, right. totally rip his face off, and he's just totally fine. Yeah. The next scene, um, some of those scenes, I just I think editing could have helped. Um, and I think the the three uh, part structure of this movie works, but the first act is a little bit lengthy. I, it, it, when I was rewatching this movie, I was like, it takes this long for them to get on the road trip? Because I remember that as the whole movie. But really, until like Big Tom passes away in this movie, the movie really starts for me. Like, yeah. And that takes a, a lot longer than I remember uh, it starting. So it, I think just shortening that first part would be beneficial. And that would give more scenes to... To um, Spade. To Spade, yeah. Yeah. It is kind of a testament to how funny Chris Farley is that literally the first act of the movie is just him being a goofball and like you don't mind it so much. Like <laughs> yeah. you're waiting for them to get on the road trip, but it is him just being silly and ridiculous and, and whatever else. And it, it's fine. Like that yeah. mo- that part of the movie kind of zooms by for me. Listen, if you want me to take a dump in a box and mark it guaranteed, I will. I've got spare time. <laughs> that leads to our next category. Best scene. What one scene? Let's try to keep it one, guys. I know okay, how you like to keep it more than one. Uh, or scenes. Let's say scenes. Um, <laughs> would you convince someone to watch this movie? Cole, let's start with you. Okay. Um, I might just go – man, I'm, I'm probably going to go to one of the sales. It's probably my favorite one. one, so one. I hope you're going you're gonna to take mine, I think. <laughs> um, sorry if I steal mics. But this, is, this is Richard and, and Tommy Boy on the road, and Tommy's not good at selling yet because he – takes too much pressure on it. Uh, and so they're finally getting close with a guy. And he's like, basically it starts out with him saying to David Spade's character, why don't you show me how it's done? The guy spit. And then Richard spits out a bunch of like lingo to the guy and goes like, well, you're not speaking my language. Tommy, like, what do you have for me? So it's like his first chance to like, you know, potentially make the sale. And so uh, it is literally, as we talked about Chris Farley doing the humor thing of going from like sanity to insanity really quickly uh, where he's demonstrating brake pads on these two model cars that are obviously <laughs> expensive on this like big wigs desk. And like you can see immediately the guy's like uncomfortable when he's touching them at all. And he's like, oh, yeah, maybe you're using our brake pads. And you deer comes out in the middle of the road and you stop it. Oh, that was close. And then he, there's like this older looking one, like a Model T, like very like collector's edition model on the thing. And <laughs> if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. But literally he like 
is painting this whole picture of kids screaming in the back, and you're telling him to shut up, and then he like crashes it into the thing, lights it on fire. Oh my god! Yeah, the ambulance guy pulls up, and he steps out. He goes, oh. So that's my scene because Richard's like, don't. He's like, tell him to stop. Yeah. It's <laughs> Richard's trying to get him to stop, and Chris Farley just like knocks his hand away like four or five yeah. times. And you're driving, and you're driving. Doesn't the guy give them a maybe as well? He he's, he's like was, on the edge when Chris Farley goes and does this thing, and then he's like, "What do you think?" And the guy's like, "Get out." <laughs> That's a good scene. Is That's that what you're gonna pick too? That was my one. Wee wee. That's definitely my scene that well, I was gonna choose. Well, Mike, do you have another scene? Yeah, I think the one we were talking about earlier before we started was the, Tommy's realization that he actually can sell when they were at the diner. That's crazy. And they have, you know, you have David Spade's character. You know, they're just figuring out what to order. And all of a sudden, Tommy's like, I want the chicken wings. And the, the waitress is like, oh, you know, our, we don't have any chicken wings. The fryer's off. He's like, well, that's just typical because, you know, that's just how this whole trip has gone. It's been terrible. And he starts talking about his failure. And through the failure conversation, he starts picking up this this piece of bread on the table and how the bread you, is a metaphorical sale. I have the quote here. Do you want to read the quote? Please do. You want me to read it? Yeah, read it. So she comes up, the waitress goes, that's nice. You look like a Helen. Helen, we're both in sales. Let me tell you why I suck as a salesman. Let's say I go to, into a guy's office. Let's say he's even remotely interested in buying something. Well, then I get all excited. I'm like, Jojo, the idiot circus boy with a pretty new pet. Now the pet is my, my possible sale. Hello there, pretty little pet. I love you, and I stroke it, and I pet it, and I massage it. <laughs> I love it. I love my little naughty pet. You're so naughty. And then I take my naughty pet, and I go, and then he rips it to pieces, and he kills the cell, and there you go. Yeah, that scene is incredible because it, it, it feels very Tommy Boy and organic, but it's also like the turning point. It's like the, the point where kind of Act 3 starts where, okay, now he can – he kind of figured out his method of selling. And because it was so monumental in the movie and it's such a hilarious scene that Helen is just like, you know what? I'm going to turn on those fryers for you. Is it her reaction? <laughs> like, you are sick. Yeah. yeah. You're, you are sick. But he gets those chicken wings. He gets the chicken wings. That's a great scene. Tommy, Tommy. like wingy. <laughs> Bryce, what's and your favorite scene? Yeah, oh. I, I was going to mention that one as well as extending it into when he actually makes the next sale because you see him starting to do the thing that Cole described, like he's starting to have a panic attack and then Spade, uh, Richard just goes chicken wings and then like it clicks for Farley and he, he says the line Mario mentioned where I could take a dump in a box and market guaranteed if you want. I got time. And he's just like, he's, he like has a really good sale and the guy buys his, uh, his breaks and like seeing Farley or seeing Tommy boy get the sales finally is like a very satisfying thing. Cause I think, that's when the movie like has a little bit more heart than instead of him just blowing all these sales. Um, and so I think that's the best scene. Also, honorable mention to every time uh, Farley and Spade are just singing in the car together is are all like if you just stitched all those together, those are my favorite scene. Especially when they're singing the Carpenters, just scream, cry, singing the Carpenters together is amazing. I love the Spanish one. I don't even know what. Song I don't know is. what that song that is. It is too. It is too. <laughs> Oh, man. It's, I love those scenes. Mine might be unpopular. Now, I know the movie is remembered for the sales trip portion, but mm -hmm. I love the beginning of this movie. I yeah. love like the intro of finding out Tommy Boy. He's in college. He's so dumb. Mm -hmm. um, like I love the scene when he's with his rugby buddies. And he goes... <laughs> 
uh, I got a D plus. I'm gonna graduate. And he, and he goes, "Do I look different? Hey guys, do I look different now that I'm a college grad?" They go, "Not really." Really, <laughs> they give a lot fewer D pluses than D minuses. <laughs> about the D plus. <laughs> they give a lot fewer D pluses than D minuses. So like, when I come back here, I won't forget you guys or something like that. I just love when he gets to the factory and they they know him because he grew up there. And right. They just he's such an idiot, and he has the line, the cold opener line that we that we got through. Um, <laughs> Also, I like when he meets uh, his love interest. What's her name? Who is your love interest as well? I think she looks like uh, a Latin version of Amelia Clark, like an exotic Amelia Clark. Is she Latin at all? In she this? might I don't think not she's, be. I think she's. I also Caucasian. feel like Amelia Clark looks exotic. She doesn't look like. I mean, you just think that because of Game of Thrones. Well, no, I mean, I'd say Daenerys doesn't look that exotic because she's blonde. But I, I feel like I'm picturing her in uh, what is it? Rogue One, not Rogue One. Um, what, she's in Game of Thrones. Solo. 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 Yeah, her in Solo. She is cool looking. So, so it's Julie Warner. Right. And she plays Michelle in the movie. And, and she's just from New York. So I don't think she's. Okay, yeah, maybe she's, she's not exotic. exotic from that she, foreign I mean, land. She's got. She looks like she could be Greek. I don't know what she is. I mean, she's a perfect, like, perhaps. hometown, like, cutie, like. Yeah, I think she fits that girl. vibe yeah. that she's supposed to fit. Yeah. Born in the far off land of Long Island. <laughs> That's where I'm from. Long Island, son. I know, Staten Island. <laughs> Staten Island. No, no, from Long Island. Mike's from Long Island. Long Island. No, same thing. It's no. not, but... Yeah, pretty much. Okay. She's actually been in a lot of movies. Anyways, that's my favorite scene, so... Wait, so the when he first... Series of scenes. Well, oh, when he first comes back to the factory. I'll but, do the wedding. But coupled with, yeah. yeah. So the, also, guy, the guy who said we should only pick one that's scene why I was the guy it. that chose... Mario has literally okay. never picked just one scene. I beg to differ. I think we could turn to Brooks and say, Brooks, have I ever... Yeah, see? There's been one when I've just chosen one. One time. One time. When when uh, in, in all of that is when Tommy Boy gets off the plane also kills me <laughs> because he's like, my, I thought my dad was going to pick me up. <laughs> he so was here great. in the morning when you were supposed to arrive. <laughs> oh, I, th- I thought he called. What number did you call? Two, four, <laughs> niner. Was there a niner, there a niner in there? Would <laughs> you call her from a walkie-talkie? <laughs> it's, just a str- it's a strong intro to the movie. Yeah. That's why great. I like it so much. Or when he can't open the doors to the... To the classroom. <laughs> he freaks out, and somebody just walks up and opens the door. Actually, they have a thin candy shell. Surprised you didn't know that. <laughs> Your brain's got a thick candy shell. <laughs> Those are the greatest twos. It's her uh, Richard has a comeback because he's actually, like, clever. And then Tommy Boy does it. He goes, you have a <laughs> shell. <laughs> so um, the main plot of this movie is Tommy's dad dies and he's got to save the business through these sales pitches he's got to make enough money to save all the jobs at the uh at the auto parts plant does <laughs> so tommy saves the business yeah in real life guys is tommy saving the family business do you think he actually can make these sales from the sales pitches we've heard so i think that for a different reason that this doesn't work out not because tommy boy is a poor salesman although oh, wow. although he is okay but so when you they're in that board meeting at after immediately after Tom Senior's death, they basically realize that the company is like was the worst possible die for Tom's per, worst possible time for Tom Senior to die because they're like okay we needed a loan from the bank that Tom Senior was about to secure but hadn't yet and then he dies and they're way in debt and like. The only person that could have got them through was Tom Sr. And so now it's like, okay, we have a week to sell 500,000 breaks to make up enough money for this loan. And, and Tommy Boy puts up all of his uh, – everything that he owns as collateral to do this. And it's like I just think because of the very specific 
instance in the one week timeline. First of all, I've never seen a bank that gives you a one week loan. Yeah. Is that a thing? So now that you mention it, he puts this, everything up for collateral. They get the loan. So he's just making the sale to pay off the loan. Right. They still have to now <laughs> run the company. Right. <laughs> but at least he owns the company now, and, and they're still in a little bit of debt, but not like yeah. in the amount of Now he can sell. But uh, again, so the bank only gave them a one-week <laughs> loan? Is that a standard <laughs> business practice? <laughs> it's not ideal, but they do give them out. Super, super picky. <laughs> they do give them out if it, if it helps the I guess, plot. I guess I'm picking it's a little bit but, here. Mike, you think, uh, you think Tommy Boy gets this done, saves his family business? It's kind of hard. I mean, it's hard to tell. He definitely, he has to have some of his dad in him. I think, I like how the movie shows his dad as a great salesman. You know, like I could show you a T-bone by sticking my head by Butcher's ass, but would you like to take my word for it sort of thing, Um, and which Tommy tries to use later and fails. How does he fail again? He keeps mixing it up. Yeah, Yeah. Get a good look at a bull by sticking my head up a butcher's ass. (laughs) Good look at a T-bone by sticking my head up a butcher's ass, and he... Keep saying it wrong. So I think it is. It's plausible that a guy could figure it out while failing. I think that's plausible. I, I don't know that the whole logistics of how to save a company in a week on the sales trip makes sense, like Bryce was mentioning. But I think it's it's possible. I, like all these other movies that we've seen, where a, a, a really dumb guy is like set out to save a family business or save himself. Like Billy Madison is the perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see kind of the transition between where he starts, which in Billy Madison, he's this drunk idiot in college, and Tommy Boy is this, like, failed graduate, but figured out as the movie goes on. And you can, if, you, if you're if you buying into, like, the, the progression of a character, then you kind of have to buy into this, the plot actually succeeding. True. I think he doesn't save the business. Agreed. I think, I mean, if we're, if we're going to be real, real. Yes. So, Real real is he does go to jail for this. He <laughs> he held a an entire building up by Twice. threatening to well the first one was an accident. Yes. The second time he does it on purpose with road flares and I saying think, it's a bomb. I think I don't know if he goes to jail. I think the police for sure lose their jobs. Oh though. yeah. He, he goes to jail. The, secu- uh, the security he, officers. He just goes, "Excuse me, can I have everybody's attention?" And the police jump on the ground and slide their Tom, guns to it. Tommy's committed a first degree felony. That's a bomb. <laughs> and don't forget how he um, stole. Uh, airline uh, outfit oh, yeah. and got on the plane oh, to get true. to Chicago, there was a lot which of, was also illegal. A lot of pre-9-11 yeah. Yeah. airplane I don't know security. where they found a suit for him. To, like, <laughs> yeah. which airline pilot fits Tommy Boy? But that's... <laughs> He's a fat guy in a little coat. fat guy in a little coat. Um, but so, yeah, he goes to jail. Also, like, if we're going to get real here for a second, or too realistic here for a second. So the premise of him making all the sales is he sells it to Zelensky, Dan Aykroyd, and he signs right there on camera for the 500... Five, half a million brake pads or whatever. And then seconds later, they reveal, hey, this marriage actually was never true. And then Zelensky turns to Tommy Boy and goes, and you're not going to sell me your company, are you? And he goes, no, I'm not. So I think also at that point, even just for spite, that Zelensky would pull out of the sale. Like it, he could, there's ways that you could have an out clause. Maybe he lose, you know, a little bit of money on it, but he could, he if, could be done with it. If I may, I might put my lawyer hat on. Uh, he, signed, he's hun- he signed under duress. He pretty much forced him to sign the contract by doing what he did. And he was at bomb threat. And it was a misrepresentation. He pretty much made the sale with the idea of, hey, you're going to get the company. You're going to be able to buy the company. So, But I, I think from a PR perspective, which is why the cameras are on, the cameras show him sign the contract and say, you can buy Callahan Brakes at any of my fine stores. I think from a PR perspective, if it comes out that, Oh, actually, he didn't buy any of those brake pads. Like he was just faking that for the PR. Like I think 
that Zelensky Auto Parts would take such a big hit that he kind of like just feels like he, he's not losing money on this deal, buying and selling those brake parts anyway. It's not a legal deal, but it, it's it's apparent. I think that he good honors at, it for that reason, for the PR reason, though, not the legal reason. I say further still that, but the, he doesn't have to because the owner of Callahan Auto Parts is in jail <laughs> for that too. Threats. But even uh, he gives a little dig at the PR idea because Tommy quotes him earlier when they're just walking through the factories. Like I thought, what do you always say? And he's like, well what the American public thinks and basically what PR has told them is that I'm a small business guy who cares about small business people. Cause that's what I am. Uh, but he like basically is nodding to the fact that it's not at all what he actually is. So right. I think, but I think he breaks that mirage if he pulls out of the, the deal at the end, like, right. He, I'm just saying he, he, he keeps would, up that PR persona by honoring this deal. Right. I'm saying he would basically spin the PR so that even though he pulled out, he would still look like the kind guy. Basically, he would go the duress route. I was yeah. forced at gunpoint to do this, and I care too much about y'all to... We're his legal team. Yeah. We are his legal counsel. You so. guys are all team Zelensky, so... Yeah. Well, you watch your Look at that hair. <laughs> and I, that height. He's so tall. He's so tall. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd is super tall. Yeah. yeah. In, the, in, the, in the elevator, it's very apparent how much taller he is. People have told me, like, I mean, you remind us of Dan Aykroyd specifically for your height. And I said, thank you. He says, uh, you smell like, uh, he goes, oh, it's a car air freshener. <laughs> so you've located it. Next spot, next time is bathing it off you. Um, yeah, he doesn't pull us off. At the board meeting, they don't give that keys to the kingdom to Tommy right there. No. He's, he's too, he's the guy yelling into a fan. Ooh, oh, Luke. <laughs> From Star Wars. Yeah, um, I know. So I, I uh, prefaced that to ask, do you guys think, this is the most over-the-top where a goofball succeeds in comparison to other movies. Mike referenced Billy Madison. So if you guys have a different movie where the doofus guy has had to pull off a feat, what movie is it in well, comparison to this one? So I think I think Billy Madison, is he's more ridiculous than Tommy Boy, but yeah, also at the end of Billy Madison, <laughs> he, he chooses not to take over the company. He's like, I would be bad at running this yeah, company. So he's actually right. smart. So the, he's, he, he says, I'm going to go back to college for real. Um, he gives the company to Carl. Uh, I love Carl in that movie. <laughs> so I think, yeah, the idea that like he actually is a successful business owner based off of what we know about Tommy Boy is like, uh, yeah. I don't know. D, D plus is not running. <laughs> you know, they give a lot of few more D pluses. Herbie Hancock. Um, I almost think Happy Gilmore is extremely, maybe the most unrealistic. Think about how hard it is to be an exceptional golfer. To be one of the best golfers in the world, <laughs> but but he had a superpower that allowed him. He's also yeah, right. in the movie Happy chubs. Gilmore. He's not an exceptional golfer. He is just making money as a golfer. So he ends up winning. He beat Shooter, well, who so was yeah, arguably he, the next Masters final, winner. He finally wins one tournament, but that's the first time he wins a tournament in the whole movie. He's just making cuts. That's because he's getting frustrated because he's not getting like the True. checks. They're like we'll mail you the check in a couple weeks, and he's like, I'll take one of the big checks. Don't you want breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> Mike, you had any comparisons to make? I mean, just going, I think um, Billy Madison is more unbelievable in terms of like the setup of going back to school as an adult in first grade. Like, that's more, that's not even a situation that kind of exists. No, no, no. That's just never going to happen. I think it's more plausible that a son of somebody who's a good salesman could potentially get sales for his company. I agree with you guys the way in which it turned out. I think those are twists and turns of the movie that the the writer directors had to make in order to make it like, you know, more exciting. But I think it is more possible for him to make those sales than other movies such as that. Right. The yeah. whole the whole end of the movie is a bit convoluted. It's almost like they're writing this movie and they realize that it can't just end with like 
he did it. Like, you know, so they have to have Rob Lowe go in and like switch the orders to sabotage them, which on its face doesn't super make sense anyway. Poor poor exotic Amelia Clark. (laughs) And then the way they fix it is, of course, a little bit over the top. I feel like they, we didn't mention this inefficient fix, but like the ending could be bettered a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cole, what do you think? Um, You know, well, another movie we love, you know, maybe Dale Doback. Follows in his dad's shoes. It's not not what you know. It's who you know. Yeah. You're a medical doctor. (laughs) He keeps saying it's it's who you know. Um, I want wings, dad. I don't know. It's funny how many times Adam Sandler has played this character. Like Mr. Deeds is almost the exact same plot. He sees an enormous fortune. That one ends with it not actually going to him. It goes to the firstborn son who happens to be the guy who really likes feet. That's my name. (laughs) Kanish. That is my money. Kanish. So, yeah, I, I don't know what the question was, but there are lots of goofball movies where they get lots of money. Okay, yeah. Pretty much who's the most goofiest and who is the most over-the-top plot. <laughs> I have one. A little unknown named girl ends up being the fate of the Jedi. She's got no ties to any family, and she ends up saving the galaxy. But spoiler alert, she does. Talking about Rey. You could say the same thing about Luke. I mean, because oh, she's a Palpatine and Luke. Spoiler All right. alert. How about this? Little boy grows up on Tatooine. No father. Ends up being, quote unquote, the savior of the Jedi. Ends up being the Sith Lord. Come on. No one's buying exactly. that. Exactly. I refuse to believe that Star Wars is based on a true story. I still haven't seen it. The facts to prove that. So, I'm going to talk about this because there's no other transition point to this ever. <laughs> but it just made me think about this. And we don't. I don't want to spend a lot of time here. A simple yes on this first question. Have you all, oh, all you seen the movie? Now? I am. Okay. I've taken this from you. <laughs> uh, have you all seen the movie Blank Check? Yes. No. Who's no. in that? So very quick synopsis. A kid gets hit by a rich guy. The guy writes him a check because he wants to get out of it, but he leaves the, the amount blank. And then through like some like 1995 Photoshop, the kid writes the check to himself for a million dollars. It sounds like a Frankie Muniz movie. It's like it sounds like Catch Me If You Can. Uh, the kid's like 12 years old. He's like a Macaulay Culkin type character. It's like one step above a Disney Channel original movie. And the movie takes place with him spending the million dollars. But as an adult, if you watch the movie, you would understand that the million dollars went day one. He rents a castle. He buys he, it. He, he buys, buys it. it. He buys a castle. He buys a ton of stuff. He fills it out. Anyway, another rich person that fell into money. You know what? The kid kind of looks like I was thinking. The kid in this movie kind of looks like... Um, Jerry Maguire, little boy, Ray, mm-hmm. who that kid grew up to be like a MMA fighter. I think he got in trouble with the law. Same with Anakin. The kid who played Anakin got arrested. The kid who was in Blank Check, uh, it's like a kid actor thing because he's also in jail now. Yeah, mm. child actors have so, a low success rate, just they, notoriously. Yeah, maybe, he, maybe he thought that you could actually use Blank Checks and then just go out. Exactly. Sorry, so we can money. go back on now. You're That's back right. to host again. Go ahead. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Okay, guys, so this we, we've been referencing throughout the pod. This was in the vein of an SNL movie. It's Lauren Michaels' vehicle, and Chris Farley is an SNL cast member. Uh, this next category is live from New York. It's Saturday night. Who is your favorite SNL cast member of all time, so present cast included, and uh, kind of discuss uh, where their career went and why you like them. Mike, why don't you start? Keenan, uh, just kidding. I hate <laughs> I think he's the worst SNL character. Also, um, I was thinking about this. The dude laughs at everything. Does Keenan go on to have a career outside SNL? I mean, he had a career before. Usually when someone's been on SNL as long as Keenan has, though, it's unlikely that, like, these guys, Farley, Spade, um, Sandler, 
like they're trying to get off SNL because they're mm-hmm. ready to go on to the yeah. next thing. Keenan's been on SNL for like 15 years yeah. now, yeah. which isn't like a great sign for his Actually, future prospects. A movie that I was thinking about having you guys do was Good Burger because be good what one. a classic. Yeah. Another great one. Um, but no, I think, I mean, besides the obvious, I think Adam, uh, Adam Sandler is my favorite or Will, Will Ferrell, but I think I'm going to go with Andy Sandberg as oh, one wow. of my favorites because he's, he's like he kind of like reinvigorated uh, the SNL for sure. Um, just sort of like the way in which to get laughs. He he's somebody that created the digital shorts, right? Yeah. Um, created the the whole like it doesn't need to be on the show, like live on the show for it to be Saturday Night Live, which I think is so interesting. Yeah, he took stuff. the show and like adapted it for like the modern yeah. audience. Yes. Of like no one really, I mean, most people I know don't really watch SNL. But they checked the video clips the next day, yeah, and he he designed sketches that were perfect and, and songs that were perfect for that. Yeah. So for the millennial, our millennial generation, I feel like he is the, you know, Andy, uh, Adam Sandler or Will Ferrell of of our generation because of all those things, like whether it's Dick in a Box or Mother Lover or whatever. Yeah. It's just like classics that will forever be. Plus, I just I also love his movie Hot Rod, and I also oh, really so like great. Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah. Um, where he's won awards for that, and he's part of the you know, producing team that actually gets that all done. So I, I just think he's just, he's just an incredible talent. He's one of those guys that could play the dumb, like funny, like I'm just going to make a bunch of noises and make, you know, make everyone laugh that way. But he can also do it through his writing. True. So I think mm-hmm. that's fun. And I think Andy Samberg's probably, so is the question like favorite cast member while they're on SNL or favorite person career who started out on SNL? Either or. Okay. Because I think Andy Samberg specifically, like, most surprising person to be super successful after SNL. I like agree. I think in 2008, 2009, when like, you know, jizz in my pants comes out, like if I was like, that guy's going to have a super Black successful across the room. sitcom in a decade, like it, one of the most su- successful sitcoms on TV in, in 10 years, you'd be like, really? Like, what is oh, it about? See, I could see him being a sitcom actor easy to be honest. He is. With you. No. Yeah. Oh. I could have seen that to see, to see him go on to do feature lengths. I don't think I could have. But I mean, I think for what he was doing at the time, it's very different for him to be writing. Right. He, he's the cr- main creative force behind Brooklyn Nine Nine. That's done incredibly well. Oh, he's the main. Like he's force. he's the producer and like one of oh, the writers wow. from the beginning. Yeah, okay, he's not okay. the only writer, but he's also just a guy that, and I think this is what I like gravitate towards. He's someone that I would just want to hang out with. Oh, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of SNL of our favorite SNL guys are going to be that have that quality. I just feel like I could get in a room with him, have a couple beers, and just laugh forever. We could get him on here. You think we can? Because we got Ray. I mean, you paid me quite a bit. I think Ray's here. Ray, you want to come in? Hey, guys. Bryce, we're going to miss you, man. Dabra. <laughs> Dabra. You want to say goodbye to Ray? No. Oh, that sucks, I, I, man. Actually, I do. I want to say goodbye to the Ray bit for, hey, forever. Hey, Bryce, fuck you, man. <laughs> Ray, get out of here, man. Get out of here. Dabra. Um... Oh no! His car exploded. He's oh, he's, no, he's gone. No, that wasn't him. That was his brother, <laughs> Bay Barano. Why do different last names? Well, <laughs> uh, I, I do think Sandberg's a, a good choice. Um, in terms of like, just made the most movies that I enjoy. Though I think uh, Eddie Murphy is my like favorite. Whoa. Former SNL yes. cast member. He had a very short. I think he was only on SNL for like two seasons, and then you know, in the '80s, he's the f- most famous person in the world. Um, I love Eddie Murphy a lot. Obviously, we have said a lot we love Will Ferrell too, but I think Eddie Murphy has maybe more movies than Will Ferrell that I like love, love. Oh, yeah. really? Well, I mean, you can't, you can't forget that like, I also like really like the Shrek movies, Shrek 1, Shrek 2, and he's, you know, Donkey and all those. 
you know, Beverly Hills Cop is an incredible movie. 48 Hours is incredible. So all these kind of like older movies. And then his stand up. Oh my gosh. And his stand ups are amazing. They're kind of like become overlooked because of his movie career, but his stand up's really good. I mean, obviously some of it, some of it's aged poorly, but you know, it was the eighties. Cole, about you? Um, you know, I think my, my just like initial answer would be a Adam Sandler or Andy Sandberg or maybe uh, Will Ferrell in terms of like people that I recognize the most, I've seen the most, but I just glanced through the cast. And so I have a deep cut favorite. Um, and maybe he's not that unpopular, but it's somebody that I didn't knew I liked so much. That's from SNL and it's Tim Meadows. So yeah. you'll know him as the principal uh, from me. Yeah. Girls. The principal from mean girls. Uh, but my he's favorite so movie great. he's in is he's Leon, uh, the ladies man, <laughs> which is another SNL movie. Doesn't he have like a lisp in there? Oh, it's yeah. incredible. Ladies man. <laughs> um, he's in pop star. You know, he's in a bunch of these movies. Walk hard. Uh, the like fake, the fake, um, Dewey yeah. Cox story, yeah. whatever it's called. The Dewey, fake Johnny Cash yeah. movie. Um, so he's in a lot of stuff that I really like. Uh, and so he was definitely somebody that I think I didn't know that I liked so many things he's done. But obviously, I think if I'm just going for the movies I've seen the most of, probably Will Ferrell, probably Adam Sandler. I like Tim Meadows in a Will Ferrell movie, Semi-Pro, when he's yes. begging him to play in the movies. Yeah. You are John- a horrible athlete. You broke your arm playing pickle. He's like, I, whatever. I can't remember the quote, but. Yes, good one. I, I think obvious answer is Will Ferrell. I mean, I go and watch movies just because Will Ferrell's in them. I, I think he's Even hysterical. now, though? Yeah, I still think. Oof. Mike and I did go see You Holmes saw Holmes and Watson. Watson. You said it's one of the worst, worst movies, movies ever seen in theater. Yeah. That yeah. was just God. It was painful. Like, I've never actually sat through a more painful movie. We double featured. We were going to see Vice right after, and we just kept checking our watch. We couldn't wait to get out. Yeah, it's a good indicator. We paid for both. And Farrell will do that to you, but then he'll also be in Kicking and Screaming, and you'll cry watching it with a nine-year-old. You're like there taking a friend, a little friend, kid. Surprising they don't hang out with many as many nine-year-olds. I want to clarify. Let me clarify. (laughs) What's the way? Hold on. Let me clarify. Hold on. I took somebody that I was babysitting to go watch a movie. I did not have a date with a nine-year-old. Did your friend kid? Did they know you were babysitting? Yes. (laughs) Everything was completely above board. Should we get in here? No. Okay. (laughs) Nothing has been taken. Marcos from Tripoya. We are all Marcos. You didn't mention Jimmy Fallon. Well, that, you, fuck you for just spoiling it. Well, I thought you were done with the segment. No, no, no. My favorite, I'd say, aside from Farrell, if I can't choose him, Fallon is my favorite to come out of SNL. Although, Robert Downey Jr. was on for a season. Does that count? He was a cast member yeah, yeah. really yeah. i did see that when i was looking up the cast members i, was I did shocked. not know that uh, but no fallon i think fallon is one of the funniest people in the world you talk about having a beer with someone although i, ha- I have heard he has a drinking problem which makes it even more fun exactly. sometimes. So you're you have out, to have a coffee know? with him the number, and it's serious the like, number, first people i'd ever want to hang out with in celebrity land would be fallon and timberlake together i just think they would be the coolest guys ever and hilarious we'd sing and we walk around slow-mo and have lattes just throw Andy Samberg in that, and you're just a great... Oh, no, that's your thing. I think my favorite, because when I asked you earlier, though, my favorite person, like, based on only their sketches on the show, um, I think is Tina Fey, just because of her Sarah Palin Oh, she's good. In 2008, it was incredible. I will say this. Tina Fey, I think, is a better actress than she's an SNL member, cast member. Okay. I think she's a really good actress. I don't love her SNL bits, except for Sarah Palin. I really like, and I don't think she's going to be on SNL for much longer... Kate McKinnon. Yeah, she's, she has to be on her way out because she's, she's she's ready talented. to be in some big movies. Like I just watched the debate sketch when she was playing Elizabeth Warren, mm-hmm. and she's just insanely funny. Right. Um, she she's real real life funny, but I think 
you know, with all these SNL people when they're on SNL, like they're only able to do like one movie at most a year because the SNL schedule is so crazy. So I think whenever she, but some people love it. So some people just stay for a little bit longer. It's the same with like uh, Amy Poehler. I think she's a better actress than she is an SNL member. And um, Kristen Wiig, I think is hilarious. Not as much so on SNL. Like Mm -hmm. I think she's fine on SNL, but when she's in a movie, I think she's funnier. She does the baby hand skin on Chris on (laughs) SNL. It's pretty funny. I I love that one one so much. Maya Rudolph set for me too. Somebody who I like a lot more in her movie roles than I do in her. Yeah. One other one we I didn't mention is Mike Myers. Oh, Mm -hmm. I mean, just classic. I mean, so many good movies too. Yeah, that's true. Okay, guys, Uh, we haven't really referenced the most memorable line of this movie. Some people even just know the line. They've never seen the movie. Fat guy in a little coat. Richard. <laughs> so is Tommy Boy, first off, is Tommy Boy Chris Farley's best character, Mike? 100%. You think so? 100%. Bryce? I, I think the answer is yes, but for the tragic reason that Chris Farley dies two years after this movie comes out. Oh, was so it only two years after? Yeah, he does, I think, 97. We mm-hmm. said this movie came out in 95. Okay. So it's either like, I mean, you know, he has a bunch of SNL characters that are famous, the Down by the River Down guy. Down by the River, yeah. Yeah, very um, famous. You know, he has Beverly Hills Ninja, Black Sheep, and this. And, and you know, he has roles in, in like Coneheads and Wayne's World or whatever. But I, this is definitely his best movie, in my opinion, I guess. And so I think it, that Tommy Boy is definitely his best character. I would be interested to see... What he could have done, you know, he he was in that. Yeah, obviously, David Spade. He was friends with Sandler as well. Maybe all of their careers look a little bit different if Farley makes it a little bit longer. That's gonna. I want to transition. Let's, okay. Let's come back to that. Uh, Cole, do you think this Tommy Boy is his best character? Yes, I think for the same reason Bryce just shared. He he didn't have a ton of options otherwise in terms of total career lifespan. Yeah. Um, I think a, a minor role that I quote a thousand times is his role as the bus driver in Billy Madison. I was just <laughs> thinking that exact same thing. What about thing? you? You want to you want to milk? When I'd he literally when he's talking about Veronica Vaughn, that Veronica Vaughn <laughs> is one hot piece of ace. Trust me. <laughs> I know from experience. No, you don't. Well, uh, her and a friend of mine, they got it on. Woo-wee, brother. No, they didn't. Well, still you can imagine they'd be like I love when he steals the lunches. <laughs> Who would steal 30 bag lunches? <laughs> They're just eating them. Oh. So he's such a minor random character that he's hilarious as. You know, I think it is his best because it's his most memorable. There is one little skit that I love. There, It's him, Spade, and another SNL member. They're playing women, like girls at a mm-hmm. mall. Yeah. And they go, I thought you were on a diet because he orders rice. Lay off me, I'm starving. <laughs> <laughs> like Dave would quote that all the time. <laughs> as you could probably see Dave yeah. do yeah. Um I also do like Beverly Hills Ninja, just to see him as a ninja. He's really like an acho guy for being so. In this fat, movie, fat. we talked. He he double foot jumps over the coffee table at like just box jumps it. Yeah, at, at, he's a CrossFit. It's athlete. like the beginning of this movie, and I'm like, wow, it's like impressive that Chris Farley can just box jump over a coffee table. Like you made me- the comment that his physical comedy falls flat for you sometimes. I think there's part of it. His physicality mm-hmm. is incredible for how large he is. Yeah, let me walk back. Cartwheels, all kinds yeah. of random stuff. I think the, the 90s tropes, like the hitting your head on stuff, that mm-hmm. doesn't work. But watching him sprint, like just we were watching him, like when he was sprinting through like the, the courtyard of the, at Marquette University, it's hilarious because he looks like an athlete when he's mm-hmm. running. Um, another actor comes to mind who I think does it just as well. Tom Cruise. <laughs> yes, the Cruise. <laughs> but, um, oh my gosh, I just referenced his character's name. 
Kevin Heffernan was it Doug? Oh, Kevin James. Doug Heffernan, Kevin James. I think Kevin James is how Acho like Acho guy is mm-hmm. so physical and like athletic for how big he is. I find it hysterical. Apparently, in that UFC movie, he actually got like good at it. Yeah, that's what I read too. I thought of Chris Pratt in the first season of or the second season of Parks and Rec because he's still very chubby and he's like <laughs> yeah. jumping over stuff, yeah. right? And being like kind of karate esque. Is that when he's Kip Hackman? <laughs> that's probably yeah. That's yeah. Kip Hackman. Yeah, FBI. Um, so Bryce kind of alluded to this. I'm gonna throw you guys a curveball. This wasn't planned for. What do you think Chris Farley's career would have been? That's your directory. Do you think it would have been like Sandler or more washed out like Rob Schneider, David Spade, those other guys? Well, I, I think all – maybe not Schneider as much, but I, I think all of those guys kind of fell in together. And so, like, their movies don't do super well these days. But, like, I mean, I respect the heck out of the life they have because it's Kevin James, Chris Rock, David Spade, Adam Sandler just going to Hawaii once every other year to film a movie. Grown-ups. Grown-ups 5 or whatever. And it's like, oh, man, that movie sucked. Isn't that terrible? It's like, well, they made a lot of money, and they spent six months in Hawaii, so things could be worse. When they were doing Uncut Gems, uh, the directors, they were talking about Sandler on a podcast, and they said they give him a lot of respect because he he literally has the perspective of, I live my best life. I get to travel to exotic places for free right, and make a lot of money and hang out with my friends and make movies that are somewhat watchable for my kids to see as well. Yeah. So we can't blame him, but from an audience that grew up with – the you know Adam right. Sandler of the nineties we're like no we want that so I think I think and, and Sandler alluded to it in his most recent stand up but I think Farley's probably doing all of those movies with those guys if he oh he he said he and, and Sandler that. basically says like he you know he, he has this song for Chris Farley and it's about uh, he, like one of the lines is that if we if you were still alive we'd be in whole in whatever shooting Grown Ups three. Oh, for sure. Yeah. All those types of movies just fit into Harley's like wheelhouse. Yeah. It sounds like they had a very close friendship. I mean, they did. They worked on SNL together, but they did movies together that I think their careers continue to match up. I wonder if Chris Farley could have uh, ever tapped into because he, you know, he was obviously the like one of the reasons he passed away was his like addictions. Um, If he would be able to tap into that as an actor. I mean, you see Sandberg being able to take on some more dramatic roles and be you know have success with that i just don't know we just didn't get to see that with farley i don't know if he would be able to because yeah, his stick was so strong i think as he got older he could pull it i off. mean maybe yeah. you know he's i mean he was obviously on snl he showed a lot of chops in different ways i just don't know if he would be able to kind of be the more dramatic actor that sandberg yeah uh, yeah Sandler i think he can was I mean, able to do john c Riley's in gangs of new york John C. Riley like was a super respected yeah. actor before he went to comedy. I cannot believe that. I've never seen him being a dramatic actor before. Apparently, he's in your namesake movie. What's Days of Thunder? Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah I've I never he's seen one it. Of the main guys, um, you really haven't seen it? No, but there's a there's a mixed track record of people jumping from comedy to dramatic roles. Some people have a lot of success. Some people it doesn't work. Um, but like it's it's almost impossible to predict like who it's going to work for and who it's not. Yeah. I'm gonna start a nonprofit and just get famous comedian actors and give them opportunities like that. Nonprofit? nonprofit? That's just a movie. You just described a movie studio. Well, um, if I say nonprofit, it sounds like a charitable act. <laughs> but I want to get paid a reasonable. <laughs> no, I want to be clear. Salary. The name of the company is Nonprofit. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> profit's not going to be in it. Or no, I'm thinking of Common because <laughs> he's in everything nowadays. They're trying to make him the new Morgan Freeman. His voice is everything. You guys know Common, right? Yeah, he's in John Wick. Yep. John Wick too. Yes. He's great, John Wick too. Best John Wick. Although I think John Wick one is way better. Uh, I disagree. We'll talk about it later. Um, <laughs> we'll have to do a super episode where we do all three John Wick movies. Yes, uh, you'll have to come back to LA. For Obviously, that. yeah. Uh, my friend in college, 
um, was from Chaska, Minnesota. It's a very small town. I guess the facility that Chris Farley went for rehab was in Chaska, hmm. and he saw him at church. And uh, he's like, hey, Mr. Farley, is that you? And he turned around and smiled and then, like, shushed him, like, don't make a big scene. Yeah. So that's, that's cool. pretty nifty. All right, guys, it's time for our uh, what you guys consider a favorite category. It's not mine. Okay. Tidbits on right. Internet Research presented by Callahan, Callahan Auto Parts. Oof. Uh, what's the competitor, Zelensky? They Zelensky, tried hard to yeah. buy this category, but we said no. Um, so, Mike, why don't we start? Do you have any fun tidbits? I'm going to skip Mike, actually. Okay. I'm going to let best go for last. I'm going to jump in. Okay. All right, guys? So we talked about Rob Lowe's character, Paul. We kind of wish he had a better, uh-huh. uh, more fitting role. He was actually cast to play David Spade's character. Wow. Which I think would have made the movie much worse because I think Farley and Spade are their like, chemistry is really they're good. They're like Devon and Wilson of the 90s. Yeah. Is that a hot take? No, I, I think they're, yeah. That's fun. That's a good comparison, good. actually. I kind of like that. Or like the Far, the uh, Farrell and John C. Riley kind of right. combo. Right, Um So Rob Lowe is not even credited in the movie. Yeah, that was that was one of my tidbits as well, which it was funny because I was trying to figure out why. Because sometimes people will be uncredited. Like uh, I always give the example of Kevin Spacey in Seven. Like he's uncredited because him being in that movie is a big twist. You've never seen Whoa. it before. He's he, in that? Yes. You've never seen Seven? Is that the Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman movie? Yeah. No. Okay, don't okay. tell me. i got to see it now. Well, he's in it for a plot twist reason. Is that kind of like Matt Damon in Interstellar? Yes. Okay. Like Matt Damon in Interstellar, similarly. Look at us flexing our movie chops but over here. Put your it, shirt back like, on. Why Sorry. Would, <laughs> I was getting what, hot. <laughs> what reason would Rob Lowe have to not be credited in this movie? He's he's a pretty big... I mean, he he's a pretty he's big the name. villain. At that, he, yeah. and he's not he's a big part of the movie. Like season six, Chris Traeger, he's You're very fit. But like, so he's a, he's a big name. It's not like he's nobody. He is a main character, and he's not like a surprise. He's in the first thirty minutes of the movie, so it's it's weird that they chose not to credit him. Yeah, that is very odd. Um, I also find it found it funny with my tidbits. David Spade's character in the movie is uh, Richard is bald, mm. <laughs> secretly bald. Right. Um, apparently, he refused to let anyone work on his hair. And getting ready Spade? for the roles. Yeah, Spade. Okay. So he's not actually bald. Right. Spade's uh, not bald in real life. No, but that was pretty funny that he actually had a thing with his hair. So uh, so uh, we got a – Brooks is actually handing me a little <laughs> fact here. I'm gonna we got this. breaking news. Rob Lowe played, <laughs> played the sporting role of Tommy's stepbrother, Paul, and is uncredited. The reason for this is because Rob was contractually obligated to Stephen King's The Stand in 1994 – so he took the part simply as a favor to Chris Farley. Spade had gone out with uh, for a drink with Rob Lowe that night before, and they agreed to do it. But wow. you could still so, put his name on the credits, well, right? I or guess, I guess uh, for only the like paid paid employees, I think, are credited. So I would he, he did Thank it for, for free. For wow. What or, a great guy. For like whatever. Now There's that, all those weird Hollywood like deals made over dinner yeah. where like we talked about at the beginning of uh, the rundown with Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> and he's like, yeah. the director's sentiment was just like. Oh, I saw him at dinner one night. I wanted him in the movie, so I asked. Yeah. Like, how's it's so funny that it just happens. <laughs> like these multi-million dollar projects that they're like, hey, could you could you make it this day to be in our movie? But think about it. Like, in real life, if I wanted to schmooze a client or something, I would take them to dinner and we would talk business. So I guess it's not that odd. I'm, I'm not saying that like it, they occur over dinner is weird. It's funny that like oh. it seems like they occur kind of like seat of your pants for these like oh, yeah, massively yeah. expensive projects what movie did we do in the pod where the director really wanted 
or the studio really wanted the guy who played Robin in the Batman and Robin movies. And the Chris dir- O'Donnell, yeah. Yeah, and the director was like, oh, I think this movie's going to fail. Oh, Men in Black. Yeah. They, instead of he Will Smith. He wanted Chris O'Donnell instead of Will Smith. <laughs> no, I think it's going to fail. And like, oh, yeah, okay, he's like winging out. it. Yeah. Just Thank if, God for that. If ever you feel like you're not good at what you're doing, just think about how many of these multi-million dollar movies were made by people just making it up as they go along. True. <laughs> I think we could. You know, I'm going to start a nonprofit for that. You're still describing a movie studio. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to start one? Well, you can just not take your job in Austin? Yeah, sure. Please. Did you have any fun tidbits, Bryce? Uh, so I had the Rob Lowe thing. The other thing I had, it's less of a tidbit and more of a public service announcement that I always feel like I need to announce. So Chris Farley takes Rob Lowe cow tipping at the beginning of the movie. Uh, just so everybody knows, cow tipping is not a real thing. You can't go cow tipping. I Cows. Think, I like, don't think you can go. I think you, we could if we wanted no, to. No, no, no. Cows, like most mammals, sleep laying down. Yeah. So the premise <laughs> oh. is you push them over while they're asleep, but they sleep laying down. Or then you'd have to push them over while they're awake, in which case the cow moves because cows can walk. <laughs> and like the amount of force that you would need to push over a cow that was like trying not to be pushed over would take like six people. And also... Cows can then stand back up because, like I mentioned, they lay down to sleep so they can stand back up. Anyway, all that to say, cow tipping, not a real thing. I spent uh, like a couple months in Wyoming one summer, and we went to the rodeo, and they had the opportunity for people to, to participate in the rodeo. And so I, I say that with an out outcla- clause right away to say I, it was not extreme. <laughs> but I did an event where I had to wrestle a steer, and a steer is a baby cow. And a steer weighs 400 pounds. Like – Literally, a cow that is smaller than me weighs 400 pounds. A full-grown cow would be impossible to push over. Wow. Yeah. I mean, cows running at you is the stampede from Lion King. I've looked it up yeah. in the encyclopedia that I have here. Um, you guys know it as Goggle. And uh, cow tipping is an urban legend. So yes. Bryce was correct. That's, the, that's what I was yeah, saying. No one was disagreeing with him. <laughs> the sleeping standing up made me think of Nate Bargatze. And they stand <laughs> yeah, up when he's like, horses apparently Horses uh, sleep laying down. down. <laughs> yep. They're exactly. not dead. Um, my uh, my tidbit. I'll I'm gonna give a, a category to my tidbit, which is, gee, I wonder if he plays for the Yankees. Uh, so according to Spade, oh the Yankees. Uh, both Chris Farley and David Spade dated Lord Bagley, who was Lori Bagley, who was the hot lady at the at the hotel that dove in naked and he was watching it. And apparently, according to Spade, it caused caused a little bit of a rift between the two of them because they both dated her. Yikes. Um, so, yeah. Tommy Are you Wiley. watching Spanktrovision? <laughs> that, that, uh, that has not aged well, that scene. I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty harmless. I mean, definitely the, the him looking and touching himself yeah. to it is, is very extreme. Wasn't that creepy at the time, though? Like, the, I don't think yeah. there was a time yeah. where that wasn't uh, a creepy thing also, for him to be doing. it's a pretty open and obvious pool. This woman is not doing that. <laughs> I think as a kid, like, it wasn't until maybe particularly this time that I even realized in the scene – you hear him say a little bit of dialogue that in, that insinuates that he's going to be touching Touch himself, himself while watching. Yeah. So I think mm-hmm. as a kid, I always just thought like, oh, he got a he got a boner and he, I didn't he know got what, caught with I a didn't boner. I didn't know what a boner was until I was 28. That was two months ago. <laughs> and then not again for the next 10 years. Um, and nobody's touched it. So No one's touched it since. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of making the end of that table tilt <laughs> right now. If you watch that. Thank you. Gross. If you watch that scene. Um, there's rooms on the first floor. The blinds are open. Lamps are on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Also, she looks around is like, is anybody looking? Tommy just passed her. <laughs> what is like, this line? Hasn't even like gone inside. Do you know where the, uh, the gym is? Do you know where I can find the gym? <laughs> Richard's like, don't say it. <laughs> don't say the gym line. <laughs> um, my tidbit is when you're in the scene where he's figuring out his grade for the, uh, the Herbie Hancock, 
and he, he locates his D plus. If you scr- if you look on the bottom of this the list, actually Helen Keller is one of his classmates. Oh my gosh. And got an F. Oh, which God. is just makes such sense. A low brow, <laughs> like it's such yeah. a small joke. <laughs> it's such a terrible thing. Oh but, my God. Yeah. Which. Uh, is not that much lower than a D plus, so I don't know oh, if that makes Tommy look, look worse. Yeah, that, that so make Lindsay's mom cry. I would like. I think that Tommy's been there so long; it was a courtesy D plus. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he probably. for sure is just kind of getting it's like a real Van Wilder situation. I was just gonna say, I love that based movie. off the That's face, a great one too. based off the face that the teacher gives Tommy when he sits down, you're like, this dude's just trying to get him out of here, just so out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> Who's uh, just came to mind, Van Wilder chick. Oh, oh, God, what's her name? I don't know. I, I don't the know. Blonde, um, Tara Reid. Tara Reid. Oof. Oh. You gave me one more second. Babe. She was a 90s, she 90s was. treasure. She was. She was. Yeah, Tara Reid's great. She was. She was. She, she was. was. Cole, do you have any other tidbits? No, we all, we all gonna, set on tidbits? I was just going to caution you from getting a little David Spadey here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, you were uh, the uh, Jim is. The other one was uh, Fat Guy in a Little Coat. Yeah. It was actually something that Farley used to do to Spade on snl like he would oh, come into his brilliant. restroom take his coat and like it got so bad one time apparently spade like turned around was like he's like i'm not turning around if this is fat guy on a little coat i'm not turning around again and then he just turns around and you just see farley back on a little coat because it really doesn't it's just a random scene yeah, yeah. it's it, yeah you wonder so if that sense. was just like they like we're gonna put fat guy on a little coat and don't edit this out right yeah. this is, this is going in the movie this is gonna be great yeah that's the same we talked about that with the rundown with uh Sean William Scott, his little little thunder, little lightning. That's just something he did on set. And they're like, oh, we're going to keep – that's a good joke. We'll keep that. We're keeping it in. Also, how many – why was there such a high collection of moths in one little area? <laughs> Hotel, I, well, I think they say that uh, far, like Tommy Boy had like left the window open like through the night or something like housekeeping. that. So, housekeeping. Like, and all the bugs came inside. The housekeeping voice does not originate Tommy Boy, right? I mean, that's pretty well known. Is that the first time? I, that's, that's where my, I know the joke from. Mine, no, oh, yeah, really? You want me fluff pillow? Okay, I got to go back and see if I've heard it somewhere else. Yeah, go watch every movie that came out before I Tommy will. Boy. I'm going to start a nonprofit <laughs> for it. <laughs> All right, guys, our last final category. Someone argues our worst. Not me. Maybe Brooks. Uh, does this movie belong in the junk drawer? Mike. Considering this is my first time listening to the podcast. I'm <laughs> 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 totally kidding. Fuck. Um, I listened to one episode. Um, was it the one I told I, you to listen to? to I think in? if I was looking for scissors and I opened the junk drawer, I would locate this movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I, the parameters that you guys set, which is basically like the bin at Walmart, you know, the four ninety nine or whatever. Or, or Target. Some or, of us don't go into Walmart. Target. It is up more of class. Um, this movie would be right in there. Not... I think it is because it's a little bit older, but it's just a movie that everybody, when they see it in a bin, they'll be like, I love that movie. And then they might buy it for the cheap price that it is because it's so rewatchable. And you just would, I actually just gave away this movie, which is crazy to think that we, we just did it on the podcast. Because you bitched about having to pay three ninety nine instead of two ninety nine to rent. Yeah, well, I had this, I had Tommy Boy in a bin of DVDs, and we're, we just cleared out some stuff in our house, because we're expecting in June, and I was Congratulations. Out, thank you very much. Um, she will be a Tommy Boy fan. A baby, right? You're expecting a, a baby. A baby, yeah. Not like That's... a thing, a package of meat. Meat. Some a nice thing, a Christmas meat. No. Okay. Um, we're not expecting meat in June. Okay. That's, yeah. Um, and I gave away this movie in a bin, which is like the quintessential Tommy Boy. It's going to be in a DVD bin in your house somewhere, and I think that's what the junk drawer is about yeah i think that's definitely true and then 
in addition, like move, words that people use to describe this movie, like this is a cult classic. Like it didn't have very good re- reviews, but everybody loves it. Um, Mike mentioned it's a movie that he he might like more than most people. He said he thinks he likes it twice as much <laughs> as the average person. Almost like, critically, <laughs> this is uh, this is definitely a junk drawer movie for sure. It is uh, another clause I'd add to it too. Is this is one of those movies where you'd see it in the junk bin and you'd say, "Oh, awesome! For three bucks, I'll definitely buy Tommy Boy." And then you check your wallet and you don't have three dollars cash. <laughs> And you're just as content to leave without it. You're like, oh, okay. I didn't actually get it today. All right. It'll be there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to agree. I think this is, I have a couple drawers in my apartment under my, like where my TV is and there's movies thrown in there. This is like that type of movie that's in there. I don't actually own this one, but it's one that I would definitely be in there. So Mike, thanks for coming on. We hope you listen to this one at least because you're on it. I'll probably, yeah, I'll probably play it back once or twice. Maybe play it for your future child. Yeah. Yeah, She will be a a listener. In the womb. I'm actually going to play this so she recognizes my voice and all of your voices. Princess Leia, Rey, Skywalker, Sasir. That's that has a nice ring to it actually. It yeah, I like that. Don't that's take just the middle name. How about Deb? How about Deborah? <laughs> Deborah? I thought I thought I thought we were done with the Ray bit. I thought yeah, we were well, on the Star Wars voices. Oh, uh, we want to say thank you to Bryce for getting this uh, this guy off the ground. If it wasn't for me, uh, we wouldn't be here. But we thank you as well. <laughs> yeah. You're going to be the very worst. Missed. Thank you of all yeah. time. <laughs> I think you and Cole are superior hosts, and I think you have a very good radio voice. We're gonna it's gonna be very missed. I'll call in. Yes, it's going to be hard to lose Bryce. You know, he helped get it started. And again, to reference, Cole does every single other thing. But um, <laughs> it'll be hard to lose Bryce. I, uh, <laughs> for the record, I do the most inappropriate jokes. Right. So you, you make all it harder add, for I Cole. keep you employed. If it wasn't for me, you don't watch the sacrifice. Adios. Arrivederci. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Junk Drawer Podcast. If there's a movie that you want to hear us talk about, then please reach out to us at askthejunkdrawer at gmail.com. See you next time.